0: Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the NFL Roadshow Friday Fantasy 15 edition for week 16. It is playoff semifinal week if you're still alive in your season-long leagues. And if you are not, I've got some DFS plays for you coming up. A fun way to keep playing so that you have some investment in the games which will mostly be taking place tomorrow on Saturday. That's the main slate this week since Christmas is on Sunday. They're doing three nationally televised games on that day, and I'll be honest, they are not the best matchups you've ever seen. Though Packers-Dolphins does have a high point total, 49.5. That's tied for the highest number of the week with the Seahawks-Chiefs game Vikings, Giants, and Chargers, Colts. There are not any 50-point games, but there are a lot of games on the other end of the spectrum. Six games remaining in Week 16 that have sub-40 point totals, including Saints-Browns, which could be the lowest point total we've seen in over a decade. It's sitting at 31.5 right now on Friday afternoon. Haven't seen anything lower than that since Bengals-Browns in 2008, which had a 31-point total going in and ended up at 14-0. And frankly, this game has underwritten all over it in my mind too, partially because the offenses are a mess and partially because the weather is supposed to be awful, and that is a theme this week. A lot of freezing temperatures around the United States and around the National Football League. We've got seven games that have feels-like temps under 17 degrees, including five that are expected to have feels like temperatures in the below zero category. Cleveland, for instance, at kickoff is supposed to have a feels like temperature of minus 37. Like what even is that? Minus 37. I'm sitting here in Southern California. I'm cold when it's 60 degrees, minus 37. I don't even know what that, like what to make of that. Chicago's minus 21. Uh, it's going to be cold in a lot of these games. And a lot of receivers that I've talked to in the past have said that that really does affect their ability to catch the ball. It just hurts. I've been told it feels like your hands are going to shatter when the ball gets there. So imagine that. Gary Barnage, the old Panthers and Browns tight end, or longtime former, I shouldn't say old, he's not old, uh, told us on Fantasy Dirt on Sirius and Fantasy Sports Radio on Friday, earlier today, that sleeves make it harder to hold on to the ball also. You want to wear sleeves because it's so cold, but then, you know, they're more slippery. There's less traction. So that's another thing to be aware of and looking out for in these games. More concerning, obviously, in these kinds of conditions and tougher to play through is any kind of precipitation with a wet ball or winds that could affect the ball's path through the air. So obviously those are things that you want to look for before you set your lineups. And make sure that you have hurts out of it I know that's a massive blow, and it makes everybody really sad to move him down to the bench, but he's not playing this week. And I do have some guys that you can turn to in his stead. It will not be the same, but I think there are some options that are not awful. And let's be honest, there are some quarterbacks out there that are definitely awful. Nick Foles, uh, no offense, Nick Foles, Malik Willis, Trace McSorley are all starting this week. It is getting tough in these quarterback streets for fantasy, but I am here to help. So let's break the huddle. Right, let's go! Two on, two on, two, ready? ready? All right, first at quarterback, a question that I've seen a lot this week, I want to address right out of the gate Fields or fill in the blank? You guys, a lot of people are scared about the weather in Chicago, and I get it, it's gonna be so cold. That said, I think Fields is weatherproof because of his legs. Offensive player always has an advantage in these situations, keep that in mind, um, when footing is unstable because they know where they're going. And I just think that he's put himself in a category like Josh Allen, where you gotta play him and let the weather chips fall where they may. In fact, Josh Allen's a great example of that. Remember last week, people were asking if they should start Josh Allen last week. He put up 35 points, he was the QB1. Fields is QB2 in the last month in points per game. You have to trust it. In fact, the only quarterbacks I would play over him this week are Allen and Mahomes. Speaking of Allen, smash spot in that game. Chicago allowing a league-high 25 points per game to quarterbacks in the last month. Other guys with good matchups, Geno Smith, $5,800 on DraftKings. He's your QB7 since Week 10. He's got the Chiefs, who are allowing the fourth most points per game to quarterbacks in the last month. Doesn't have Lockett. So that is something to consider, but he still has DK Marquise Goodwin, who we'll talk about in just a bit, is questionable, but is expected to play. I don't think that the matchup is anything crazy for Kirk Cousins, but it's not a bad matchup and it is indoors. So that gives him a boost this week in a week where so many matchups feel like they could be affected by weather. And if you want to play him in daily, he's $6,300. I like Daniel Jones in that game too at $5,600. In fact, This is where I'm going in the replacement for Hertz category, or at least it's one of the two options that I'm going to present for you. Vikings are allowing the sixth most points per game this season to quarterbacks. I know that he only scored nine points last week, and that feels scary to put him in uh, the week after that. But that was against the Commanders, who have been pretty good at limiting quarterback points as a norm Uh, In fact, his last three games, Daniel Jones have come against the Commanders two times and the Eagles, so he'll have the best matchup that he's had in a while. I also like Hurts' backup, Gardner Minshew, and I'm pretty sure he's going to be insanely chalky in DFS because he's insanely cheap. He's $4,800, which makes absolutely no sense to me, like prior to this week, You know, you look at him, he's one play away from quarterbacking the best offense in the NFC. And DraftKings has him priced exactly the same as mm, Logan Woodside, who I just found out is a quarterback for the Falcons, who kind of looks a little bit like Mark Wahlberg if you squint your eyes. Never mind. I digress. The thing is, Gardner has played well in the past when he has played, enough for people to go... Maybe he should be our starter last week when he did, in fact, start against the Jets when he went 20 for 25 for 242 yards and two touchdowns. And he high fived everyone he could find on his way out of the stadium. And he had that great celebration with his dad in the parking lot. Like he can play. And I played him this week as my one and done quarterback. That's how much I trust this play. The offense is so good, and he is good enough to operate it. I think it's safe to count on 18 points from him. And obviously you're hoping for more, but 18 points, you'll take it. All right, running backs. Now, first thing we need to know at running back this week is that Derrick Henry is playing the Texans. And while I would not be surprised if Houston found a way to win this game with Malik Willis starting at quarterback for Tennessee, it is harder for me to see a way that Derrick Henry doesn't crush. This guy has absolutely owned Houston. 200 plus yards and multiple touchdowns in each of his last four games against them. That totals 892 rushing yards and nine touchdowns in four games. So if you took those numbers and you plugged them into this year's stats for the entire league, he would be the 13th best rusher and tied for seventh in touchdowns. So that is crazy. And yes, I talked about Houston possibly getting better against the run a few weeks ago. It doesn't look like that stuck. They've allowed the sixth most points per game to running backs in the last month. So this is the smashiest of smash spots, even at $8,600. Nick Chubb is priced at $7,700. I tell you what, this one's tough. I don't like him this week. And not just in daily. There are scenarios where I would not play him in season long either, and I know that that's hard to do because he's one of the best running backs in the league, but the offense is so bad right now that I just don't think the upside is there. Like last week, for instance, he ran the ball 21 times for 99 yards. That is a great game, but he didn't have a catch, and he didn't have a touchdown, so That output was good for nine points in PPR leagues, and that was after scoring eight points the week before. And oh, wait, eight points the week before that. The offense has been awful since Watson took over, and I'm not expecting that to turn around this week. As I mentioned earlier, it's going to be very, very cold. The point total is very, very low. I think if you want to play someone else in Chubb's place, it's not a bad call. And I kind of feel that way about Mixon, too, though not as strongly. A, he's got a tough matchup, Patriots allowing the second fewest points per game to running backs. But B, and way more importantly, Pirine has massively cut into his workload. Had seven carries last week to Mixon's 11, and Mixon averaged 1.9 yards per carry. Everyone has a bad week, but I think it was a bad time to have one, considering how well Pirine has been playing lately. I like Dalvin this week against the Giants allowing a league high 5.4 yards per carry inside in a clean weather game. And speaking of Dalvin, you, you obviously saw what he did last week against Indy. 95 yards rushing, 95 yards receiving, he scored 27 fantasy points, well, Austin Eckler will be facing that defense this week. It's the Monday night game, so it won't really help you in daily. But if you have him in the fantasy semis, it is a great matchup for him. Indy the allowing the most points per game to running backs in the last month. Going down the pricing sheet for the main slate, Kamara's at $6,800. I know he's dead to a lot of you after last week, and I think that's fair. But I think that we expected more than maybe we should have from him. He's just not that guy this year. The offense is not that offense this year. But he still scored 12 points. And if you're in the semis in season long, that doesn't kill you in the flex. And the matchup is good against Cleveland. Browns allowing five yards per carry. Weather's supposed to be gross. Olave and Landry are already out. I feel like they have to use Kamara a bunch. Not expecting a blow-up game. Just a number that doesn't crush us. On the lower end, my favorite play of the week that also scares me a little bit is Jerick McKinnon at... $5,900. He's been RB1 (laughs) two weeks in a row. And I know it's hard to trust that Jarek McKinnon is going to come through three weeks in a row, but it's Seattle that he's going up against. And they're allowing 39 points per game to running backs in the last month. Second most in the league. It's a great matchup for him and for Pacheco. And at that price, I think it's really hard to pass, well, both of them up, but specifically McKinnon for me. I also like J.K. Dobbins against Atlanta. He's averaging 15.9 points per game in his last two games, 9.6 yards per carry last week. He's been the bright spot of a Baltimore offense that has gone in the tank in the last month or so, so I'm willing to go back there again at $5,800 for him. Looking at Sunday, James Conner has been huge lately, you guys. Great volume since week 10. And it's leading to points, fantasy points, also points on the, on the scoreboard. He's scoring touchdowns. He is RB4 in points per game in the last month, averaging 20.8. In the same game, I'm a little wary of Rashad White and Leonard Fournette. The way that they used them last week indicates a total split in the backfield. And in that offense, I think you need volume to be attractive in fantasy, so I don't really like either of them. Worth saying, I, I'm not sure I feel the same way about Chicago's backfield. So Khalil Herbert is back this week. That definitely downgrades David Montgomery, but I think you can still trust him enough to play him, largely because I think it makes a lot of sense to feed him. A, because they don't have Equinemius, St. Brown, or Claypool in the passing game, and B, because the weather is such that it just makes a lot of sense to run the ball. Packers have a split backfield now also, and I think you can play both of those guys. In fact, I very much like A.J. Dillon in daily at $5,700. We talk about how this is a guy that you turn to when the weather turns cold. Well, the weather turned cold, and he's been on fire. RB5 in the last month in points per game. He's averaging 20.3 points per outing. Packers have Miami this week. They're allowing the fifth most points per game to running backs in the last month. It won't be freezing. Normally, that's a good thing. We'll see if it is for Dylan. I also like Raheem Mostert, who's taken over the Dolphins' backfield. Priced up this week to $5,900 compared to $5,300 last week, but on a small slate, that's still good. Packers are a run-funnel defense, and I think that McDaniel will take advantage and try to establish the ground game with Mostert. For wide receivers, look, you don't want to get cute at this time of year, but it is worth going back. And checking in and seeing if the big name guys are still your best producers or if there's something that has happened to switch things up. And I think there are a few names that pop out at me when I go revisit the results of the last month. First of all, Keenan Allen and Chris Godwin. They are in the elite tier of fantasy receivers. The former Keenan, who's not been available for much of the season, is wide receiver nine in the last four weeks. He has the third most targets in that time. Keenan Allen is a priority play, especially against the Colts, who are allowing the most points per game to wide receivers in the last month, and they are getting crushed by slot receivers, where he plays 64% of the time. Godwin is another guy that I think is kind of flying a little under the radar this season because of the games that he missed early and the lack of productivity by the Bucs offense as a whole. But in the last month, he's really climbed the fantasy charts. Eighth in scoring in that time and fourth in targets. He has more points and targets than Devontae Adams, CeeDee Lamb, and Stefan Diggs in the last month. And speaking of Diggs, his production has dipped dramatically. Last four games, he's wide receiver 15, which is great. You'll take it. But considering he was wide receiver one through week 11, that's a big drop. In fact, he only has three more points in the last four games than Adam Thielen. Obviously, you're playing him in season long. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just putting this all on your radar. Perhaps for DFS purposes, maybe this isn't the week to pay up for him until he proves that uh, he's back to that wide receiver one type guy. A couple of other guys who have done really well that I think we think of as more like borderline guys, Jerry Judy and Christian Watson. The first of which, Judy, is wide receiver 34 on this season, but he's wide receiver eight in points per game in the last month. He's averaging 19.5 points in that time with a catch rate of 90.5%. Again, for comp purposes, he's averaging more than CD and Devonte, And so is Christian Watson, who is wide receiver three in points per game since week 10. It feels gross because his target number is crazy low for his production, just six per game compared to Jefferson's 12 and Adams' 11. And his catch rate is also incredibly low, just 57% in that five-game span. But more often than not, it's working with a really high ceiling attached to it, too. He is just $6,000 on DraftKings this weekend on the three-game Sunday slate. That's $3,000 less than Tyreek, with a lower floor, I think, but with a similar upside, which feels weird to say, but I think is true. Two other names I want to mention, Jalen Waddle and Mike Evans. Both of them have catch rates in the last month in the 40% range, which is awful, but also way below their averages. And in the case of Evans, he's still getting targeted a ton, which makes him, I think, a prime candidate for some positive regression, especially since the Bucs are facing Arizona and a secondary that is not at full strength. I don't necessarily think you have to play him in season long, or if you can trust him, frankly, but I do like the idea of betting on him in daily at that $6,200 price tag. Hasn't scored a touchdown since week four. I wouldn't be surprised if that changed this week. As for Waddle, wide receiver 10 on the year, wide receiver 34 in the last month. I do not think it's a coincidence that the team's worst offensive outings of the year were weeks where he did not touch the ball that much. Just nine combined targets in weeks 13 and 14, and he only caught three of those nine balls. Pushed those targets up to seven last week, still only caught three. But he's so explosive, just those couple extra chances are all you really need to get what you need out of him. I think they must know that they have to find a way to get him the ball. And I think that we're going to see them try to do that down the stretch to get them ready for the playoffs. I think we'll see more of what we saw last week and not what we saw in week 14. And for that reason, at $7,200, I don't think he's a bad pivot off Tyreek if you're looking for a way to get exposure to that passing attack less expensively. As for Saturday's games, I had a couple of low-end wide receivers that I really liked at the beginning of the week, but now I'm not as sure. Marquise Goodwin, being on the injury report all week has me a little bit scared about him, but I think I'm still going to do it in DFS at $4,300, that price just too tough to pass up with the volume bump that he could get with, he should get, frankly, with Lock It Out. That's like eight targets up for grabs, and Kansas City gives up lots of fantasy points to wide receivers. I also really liked Chris Moore again at $4,700 against the Titans, who allowed a league-high 43 points per game in the last six games to wide receivers. But Brandon Cooks is back, so he's going to take some of Moore's targets away, will be, I assume, the first read in the offense. And I guess you could just pivot to him. He's just $4,900, and he's usually good for low double digits, so maybe that's fine. I just like the clarity that we had when Moore was the only option. Another low-end option I actually still like is Richie James for the Giants. He's at Minnesota this week, so the game as a whole gets a bump because it's inside and weatherproofed. Thing here, the Vikings are allowing the third most points per game to wide receivers in the last month, and the third most to slot receivers. In fact, they're allowing twice as many points per game to slot guys than they are to perimeter receivers, and James plays in the slot 82% of the time. Couple notes about tight end. Which, from a fantasy perspective, has kind of devolved into Travis Kelsey and then a bunch of dudes. Uh, In fact, Kelsey is tight end one with 277 points on the season. Evan Ingram is number two with a game in hand with 166. Kelsey has a 100 point lead on the second best scorer at his position, who, in this case, has even played an extra game. That's how bad it's been. And it's been bad because it's been random, right? These teams are going to their second and third tight end in the red zone, and it's leading to a disaster show for us. Last week, seven of the top 13 scorers at the position were available on the waiver wire in one of my leagues. In week 15, guys like Eric Tomlinson scored, and Peyton Hindershot and Mitchell Wilcox. So here's what I'm going to do this week in DFS. I'm going to start Noah Gray, who's on the Chiefs, and had the same number of fantasy points as Mark Andrews last week, and is twenty six hundred dollars. If the whole position is a dart into dartboard throw, and we're hoping to hit a touchdown score, and we don't want to pay up for Kelsey at eight thousand dollars, which if you want to, by the way, this is a great week to do that against Seattle, good matchup. But if not, then why not punt the position, go way low, and get up to the other guys that you know you want, who have less randomness attached to them at other positions. And you still get the matchup advantage that goes with Kelsey in the Seahawks. So that's going to be my approach this week. I'll report back how it goes. Or you can just follow along and see for yourself when, like, Noah Gray puts up one point. But the thing is, here again, it's about roster construction, right? So if I can squeeze in Justin Jefferson and Derrick Henry and like I can go high at some other positions, then maybe it doesn't even matter if Noah Gray hits or not. For season long, you do have Dallas Goddard back. That's exciting. And I think you play him. Talked to an Eagles insider earlier in the week. He said their approach in Philadelphia is not to ease people in, it's to keep them out until they can do what they want them to do. So the fact that he's back and expected to play, he says that we should trust it. Not sure how to feel about Waller in that regard. He came back last week, saw three targets. One of them was for a touchdown, so that led to a 13-point fantasy line. I guess I feel better about him than most tight ends, though. Um, I will say Dawson Knox has been seeing some targets lately. Seven and eight in the last two games. He is seventh in fantasy points in the last four weeks, and in a bad weather game for the second week in a row, maybe he's a good checkdown guy for Josh. All right. Those are my thoughts for week 16, Saturday, Sunday, and a little bit of Monday. I hope that you enjoy the games. Most importantly, I hope you have a wonderful holiday weekend, you guys. Um, If you're sitting around on Christmas Eve looking for something to do, you of course know that the Red Zones will be in action. If you are a DirecTV subscriber, we'll also be there with the Fantasy Zone channel all day long, just like we normally would be on Sunday. We're on the air at 1240 Eastern, and we will be there for about seven and a half hours. We have a good time. You're obviously fantasy fans if you're listening to this show, so come check us out. Uh, We'll be back again on Monday with uh, another episode breaking down the week's action. I hope you'll join us for that. If you're not a subscriber already, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. It'll pop up in your inbox as soon as it is available. Andrew Emmer is our producer. Happy holidays to him. Chris Taylor also helping out with this episode. Big thanks to him working on a holiday for us. The NFL Roadshow is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. Again, have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Thank you so much for supporting the show. It really means the world to me. And I'll see you again here on Monday. Serious XM Podcasts.